Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, we celebrate Nintendo as shared culture with indie developer Neil Sarkar. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, joined as always by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. How are you doing, Mark? I'm doing good. I'm holding a little bit of a grudge. I meant to tell you this. On my way here, I followed the directions from Google Maps yeah. to try to get me to evade traffic, but I am skeptical huh. that they actually took me on the better route. I feel like if I had gone a different way, there would have been less traffic, but they have the game rigged because I will never know. You will never know. There's no way to go back and live that exact same experience again. Were you coming from your house? No, I was coming oh, okay. from work. Yeah, so that's... Here's the thing. I do think that Google Maps has probably affected traffic patterns, that people now use routes that Google was like, oh, you should use this route. It's faster because not that many people take it. And now everyone takes it. I think it's one of those you uh you change the result of the experiment by observing it i think that's what google maps is doing. i think that is definitely true i mean have you ever been like uh following google maps and then you're taking some strange side street or like a street you normally wouldn't take off yes. the beaten path yes. and you see other people you see other people looking down at their <laughs> phone while they're driving <laughs> doing the same exact thing yes <laughs> yes exactly yes. um so we're all irresponsible i think that goes without saying uh but if you would like to be a responsible consumer of this podcast one thing that we would appreciate is a review on apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts we can really only see it if it's on apple podcasts in the uh u.s store um, but uh, if you're rating or reviewing us somewhere else, shoot us an email. Let us know that that happened. Yeah, especially if you uh, want some guest weather. That's right. We're not doing guest weather anymore unless someone tells us, A, to do it, and B, what area of the world to do it about. Um, we have grown lazy in our old age. Uh, but you can uh, hit us up with an email at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. Uh, or, you know, tweeted us or whatever. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. Uh, did I forget my own last name? What happened <laughs> Or did you forget that there was an underscore? Mm, I, I know, and I love underscores, so I don't think that I forgot it. But maybe I did. Um, Mark, what else can people do with that email address? You can send us your vote for favorite Pokemon starter. Yes, we are going to be recording an episode uh, on June 7th is when it's coming out, and we are going to determine once and for all which is the best Pokemon to start. Out of all of them. All generations are involved here. If you like that little green owl guy, great. If you like that little green other thing that's little and green. Look, Mark and I aren't great at Pokemon. So <laughs> That's we, why we need your help. That's why we need your help. And we will be more carefully researched when the episode draws nearer. But we still need your help. Otherwise, you can almost guarantee it's going to be some like dumb Gen 1 Pokemon. Right? I'm going to say like Charmander. And everyone's going to be like, uh, real original, Patrick. We need your input. So tell us what, who the best Pokemon starter is. Um, and uh, email that to Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. Gmail um, also, 
maybe you want to get on a list to borrow my copy of Sonic Forces should it ever return to me. I don't know that it ever will. Uh, but maybe maybe someday we will see Sonic Forces again. I I meant to buy a copy so we could continue this. <laughs> um, but I forgot. Uh, it's on my list of things to do. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So that increases your chances of this program continuing. Great. And then we will just lose another copy to the U.S. mail system? Yes, of course, because it is no fault. Oh, no, no, no. I, I ref- a listener. That's right. I refuse to believe that uh, anyone would take advantage of us. We're nice guys. Uh, borrow my copy of Sonic Forces or Mark's copy of Sonic Forces. We may have to change the copy for this one. All right, uh, Mark, enough of that nonsense. Let's get into our main topic of the show, which is a conversation with our friend Neil Sarkar, who's got a great story to tell about his relationship to games and development and uh, Nintendo specifically. So uh, without wasting any more time, let's get into it. All right, joining us this week uh, is our friend, my friend. I've known Neil for, I guess, what, like four years now? Uh, Indie developer, Neil Sarkar. Thanks for joining us, Neil. Thanks for coming on and talking about games with us. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. So, indie game developer. Let's start there and what that means. Sure. What are you, are you working on a, a game right now? Where are you in this process? Yeah, so um, I guess it's like, I am technically, I am, yeah, I'm working yeah. on a game. I'm working yeah. on a game right now. Damn right, uh, you're working on this a game. Whole we- this whole weekend, uh, I worked on a game. I met a composer. So I worked in tech for like 15 years, and then I quit my job and moved to Portugal to build an app a month uh, with my friend who I worked with at Tinder, was, which was my most recent job. He was on my team. Uh, he was a surfer, and he was like, we got to get out of this corporate bullshit. Like, we got to, you know, and I had that feeling, too. I was like, I need to, I'm not, like, living a life that I want to be living, you know? Yeah. And we went out to Portugal. It was very eye-opening. Uh, I realized that it's really, really hard to market an app. The thing that I had never thought about was marketing. I was always like, what are all the marketing people doing? Like, product engineering is all that matters. I was wrong. Uh, <laughs> did all the engineering. It didn't work out. But the last thing we made was a game. And that really put me in touch with like something deep from like my childhood. Um, when I think about my childhood, I'm like, it's hard for me to have like a coherent narrative or memories of anything like up until puberty, you know. But then when I think about games, I can tell you like All exactly the way back. what. Yeah, I can tell you like from Mario One up to like you know Bond on N64. Like I can tell you exactly what yeah. I was doing and what I was playing and like in what order. And so this may be a fun game. Where were we all when we first played Super Mario Brothers 1 the first time? Do you know, Mark? I Do you know where you were? Uh, I'm assuming it was when we got an NES for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And we got one. I, it was pretty late in the NES's life. I think it was like around 90, 91. It was that pack that came with uh, one cartridge that had world-class track mm-hmm. and field on it. Oh, yeah. uh, duck yeah. hunt mm-hmm. is, is it world class track meet is track that meet that's yeah. what it is and with then the power pad. uh-huh yeah. and mario brothers and it came with the zapper the power pad all that stuff uh wow, so i'm full... pretty sure that was the first time that i'd played it at all because i didn't really have any friends or anything that that had it that, there's more to that <laughs> <Right>. sentence <laughs> that had a nintendo i was very young uh neil where where were you 
Uh, I was also likewise at home. We didn't get it for Christmas because my parents didn't believe in gifts, but they did oh, believe in randomly getting us stuff. So I remember my dad picked it up from Gristidi's, like the supermarket uh, that was right near us, and he plugged it in, and my brother started playing. And yeah, I, I pretty much watched my brother play the first level and played a little bit of it myself. And I was just like struck immediately by it. You know, it was like it. I, it's not my first memory, but it's one of the <laughs> clearest early memories. Like, it was just like, oh, this is interesting to me. Yeah. I was at a uh, a friend's house. I, I, and I don't think, like, I was really that close friends, you know, with this person. But it was just like, you know, their mom was essentially babysitting me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they had to, like, have the TV... I, I don't know why this would be true, but she told me it was true that they had to like have the TV on and warmed up for like half an hour <laughs> before they could play games on it for half an hour or like an hour. hour. I don't remember. It was something to stall me, I'm sure, from being like, I want to play this Mario game. <laughs> um, and then it just being on this, you know, old, old, old TV um, and just also just like being like spellbound by it. Right. And not yeah. not really knowing uh how how to deal with uh you know just running mario across the screen yeah well thinking about it now knowing everything i know now about how computers work i was like a software engineer by trade like it's amazing that someone looked at an 8-bit system and was like how can we make art out of this like yeah, everyone sure. else was just like how do we turn this into a business machine like ibm international business machines right <laughs> And the fact that someone in Japan, like a country that I couldn't even conceive of at that time, right. was able to like successfully ship a like an art box to a supermarket near me, and yeah, it changed my life. Well, that's so funny too that you said that your dad picked it up at the supermarket. <laughs> yeah. Like that, I, I that's obviously not like where you would get uh, a video game console now, but like right. there wasn't there weren't video game retailers at the time. GameStop yeah. didn't exist. Um, that we come from like a, a world before this was normal, before video games were like a regular part of everyone's lives. Totally. It was like five years before even like Funko Land. Do you remember Funko Land? Oh, I remember yeah. Funko Land. That's, that's where I got my copy of Chrono Trigger that I still really? have on the shelf over there. <laughs> Wait, so you, were, you gamed a lot yeah. as a kid. Yeah. And so then as you grew up, did you, did you continue to game or was there like a fallow period in your life where, you know, you had no purpose because uh, you weren't playing video games? Uh, well. that's, a good, that's a great question. No, that's I mean, that's like pretty much accurate. Like when I when we made that game in Portugal, I was just like, wait a second. Why have I not been? How did I lose the pl I like lost the plot of my life? You know, like when I refound it and I was making a game. I was just like, wait a second. Now, all of a sudden, everything that I'm doing makes sense. Like everything from like how I look to like the fact that I'm out in Portugal on my own, like doing this thing, like all of it makes sense if I'm a game developer and I'm just like, you know, I'm allowed to be like more of a weirdo. And it doesn't make sense if I'm a tech titan. Like if I'm like the next <laughs> Elon Musk, like my plot was not making sense. So then, it's like then you're the wrong kind of weirdo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, so there was a fallow period because, well, my mom did not, we've talked about this extensively since then, but she was very disconcerted by like how into the Nintendo I was. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it was at first like the hours were limited and then the hours were like super limited. And then I like climbed into the attic to get it. And that was really dangerous. And then she did a really dramatic gesture of pouring water on it in front of me. <gasps> like, oh, that is no. dramatic. Like, 
I was seven or something. I mean, yeah. I it could have disappeared, and I don't understand where things come from <laughs> or how commerce works. Like, right. I have no shot at getting another Nintendo or ever knowing what happened. But, like, to destroy it in front of me, I was like, wow, okay. Uh, yeah, she was making a point. She was making a point. Yeah, she could just been like, our time with the Nintendo is over. <laughs> yeah. Like it's going Nintendo- to live with a nice family upstate. <laughs> yeah. yeah, where all the other Nintendos are, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but so after she destroyed it, uh, I pretty much sought out friendships based on who had like what the newest systems. Yes. Uh, and I played, so gaming was always a social experience to me cause I was always playing on someone else's TV, like with their mom babysitting me pretty That's much. Right. <laughs> uh, and so that continued throughout high school, uh, in college, I almost failed out because of Halo 2. Uh, that was senior year. Uh, I did kind of fail out, but then I got back in. So Halo, I want to get back to failing out yes. and then getting back in, but Halo 2 in like a college environment, because I'm guessing we're probably basically the same age, yeah. um, but that uh, Halo 2 and college, uh, Halo and Halo 2 and college for me are one big like weird messy melting pot of like everyone playing together all the time. Definitely. Um, like... And and either either you're actually plugged into it or like you're just next to it and like it's a huge part of your life and you just know everything about Halo even when you're not playing. Yeah. Mark, did did you have that experience? Yeah, with, I was. Ter- I've always been terrible at Halo. Yeah, uh, me too. But I I played a bunch of yeah, it. Yeah, you're in just college. sitting there and the <laughs> controller just gets passed to you. Yeah. And you you have to play. Yeah. Right. It's social currency. Right. And you're right. not as bad as Doug. So yeah, like, Doug no one terrible. can be. No, Doug. <laughs> Doug was so bad. We're always like, <laughs> Doug's off in the corner picking daisies, we always said. Uh, hey, Doug. Yeah. <laughs> He's not listening to this. <laughs> um, but uh, so, yeah. it, like, it, uh, yeah, it got it was... into kind of, like, addiction levels for you almost, or? Uh, well, I, no, there were plenty of other addictions that were more addiction level things sure. than, uh, the games were just, like, a part, it's just, I was definitely playing a lot of that, and Smash Brothers, and, mm-hmm. and uh. Counter-Strike, but I was terrible at Counter-Strike. I still am terrible at any mouse-based first-person shooter, which is weird because I play a lot of Overwatch now. But so I didn't really lose it then, uh, but I definitely wasn't thinking about going you know, it as a career. It was just mm-hmm. like a fun distraction that I was doing. Uh, and I actually had the... I was lucky enough to have an extra year at college <laughs> uh, and go i was they offered like literally the last semester that i was in college they offered a a class called video game design and development Mm -hmm. and then i almost failed out again because i spent all of my time working on just this class uh and making a game so we built a game for this class and actually funny story uh one of my teammates on that uh he later like a couple years ago created a game called hyper light drifter oh yeah which just won a bunch of like igf awards yeah, that's uh, like awesome. a year ago. And, and is, I think, coming to Switch at some point in the future. Great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mark, I'm, I'm Mark, doing a plug. Mark there with I'm the new releases. Yeah. 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 You guys should all play my friend's game, Hyper Light Drifter, on the Switch when it comes out for that, for sure. Um, but yeah, so uh, so that really, like, you know, I really caught the bug then when I was just like, oh, uh, you know, like I really care about making a game. Like that's that's yeah. what I want to do. Like now, all of a sudden, like everything started to make sense to me. When before, I was like, "Why are people studying? Like, why is everyone, why is anyone pretending that they care about any of this school stuff? You know, right. like why is everyone doing a good job at stuff? Like you just cares? didn't know that you could care about something yet. Exactly. Yeah. Totally. I remember I was walking around the street and I was like, 
I was like looking at buildings, you know, I was like 20 and I was looking at buildings and I was like, whoa, someone cared enough to make this building. Like suddenly I was like, oh, there's creations all around me. I just never cared to create anything because I was like always, you know, into games. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just it never occurred to me I could create them. What uh can you tell me about that game that you made in in for your college class? Sure. I'd be really happy to actually because it was pre-Minecraft and Technically, they ripped you off. <laughs> so just technically, uh, yeah, our idea was um, it was nowhere near as well executed as Minecraft. But uh, our idea was just that, you know, you're four people who are or it was a multiplayer like land game, which mm-hmm. was surprisingly hard to do on like I, I like coded that all in C++ for Windows. Like oh, wow. it was crazy. Um, the socket networking stuff was insane. But so it was multiplayer uh, and you are all on an island. And it's pretty much like last person standing, but uh, you like go around and you harvest raw materials from the island to make weapons to fight each other pretty much. And then you fight each other. Oh, so it's like a mix of the two biggest trends in gaming right now, which is a battle royale game and Minecraft. (laughs) Yeah. You guys would have been kajillionaires. (laughs) And it would have been so much better that it happened to you other than like rather than not. Shout out to Notch. Yeah, of course. Definitely. Shout out to Notch. He's our obligatory shout out to Notch. He gets one every episode. Yeah, I mean, we would have, but the game was not. It was not good. It was not good. The ideas were great. The the execution, the combat was terrible. Well, and I'm like, I wonder about because like making a video game is obviously so labor and time intensive. Um, and like, you know, we do a a, a podcast here and like, I don't know how many bad podcasts we needed to record before we started doing like good podcasts. So, and like, I kind of wonder like how many bad games do you need to like get out before like, you know, the real good stuff starts to come around. Uh, do you, do you feel like, um, with that and, uh, the, um, like the last game that you made and you're like doing app a month, do you feel like you're getting through, like, are you, are you like feeling good about where you are game development wise? Or are you like, where, I just want like, where are you in that process? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's actually a great question. Cause yeah, doing the app a month thing, like the whole thesis behind that was, uh, it's pretty much from a creative standpoint, you know, you're supposed to take care of the quantity and then like, you know, something you could call it god you could call it whatever you wanted to call it uh will take care of the quality that's like a one of you know the creative mantras that people have in games i've always believed that tech is creative but games are definitely fundamentally creative yeah sure and so i'm in this weird place with that where i've always thought of myself as being too late for stuff like i remember i was 12 and i was like i want to learn to play guitar but it's too late uh, <laughs> i was like <laughs> yeah so like uh i've always sort of had that mentality so like Mm -hmm. i think a lot of what stopped me from you know pursuing the dream of making games is oh it's such a huge mountain to climb and exactly what you're talking about like there's a two or three year like i saw these amazing games at uh gdc uh, a couple months ago and every single indie developer i talked to was like yeah i've been working on this for like three years uh i've just been like living in my parents house working on this thing i'm 25 and you know this probably won't be the one that does it but it'll be the next one and it's like that that mountain to climb of having yeah like a two three year release cycle before you even know whether the thing you made was good or not and trying to get to the point where 
you know, like when we were shipping an app a month, we definitely got better faster than if we had just worked on one app the whole time, right? Yeah. So not having that quick feedback loop, uh, that on top of just how many how many different disciplines go into it, like mm-hmm. I definitely couldn't make a quality game on my own. Like I need right now the game I'm working on. I'm partnered with a composer who went to Berkeley for music and has been drumming his whole life. Like uh, he's as he's like as good at the art of uh, music as I am at the art of computer programming. Yeah. Right? Well, and, and it's, it's obviously such like a, a collaborative medium too. Like sure. you're programming, maybe have artists and uh, storytellers and musicians. And, sure. And all of that. And that's, and that's like a whole other thing that you can't control. Like not only can you not really control the quality except for just how many times you do it, mm-hmm. but you also can't control the chemistry between the team. So it's yeah. like, and you, it's a completely saturated market at this point, especially to start as an indie developer. It's like financial suicide. It's so stupid. But what's great about it is like now, you know, I'm 34. And in my mind, that's like, you know, I have like three years or whatever until like the, until the, the grim know, hand some, of death. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like some arbitrary, you know, like I have no idea why, but you know, I'm just like pretty much like, okay, my entire Instagram feed is my friends having babies. So like, I guess I missed the boat on that. And like soon someone will come pick me up and be like, okay, yep, you didn't, this one didn't work out. Like, you know what I mean? This life goes yeah, back on the shelf. Life is gone. And I went to GDC and saw all these 22 year olds who are going to be so talented. And it's like, <clears throat> it's so hopeless that I can do it now. Like, it's so hopeless that Perfect. I'm Perfect. You've, like, broken to... through that wall? Yeah. It's, it's, like, impossible. And because it's impossible, I'm allowed to try. Whereas if it was possible, but, like, I, it was unlikely, you know, I would be like, I would be like, oh, if I try, I'm just going to fall flat on my face. And that uncertainty mm-hmm. of knowing, like, am I just going to try and look like an idiot and make, <clears throat> excuse me, yeah. and make terrible games, uh, then, like, that's that's daunting because like I don't know, but yeah, this... no, I think I think I get it. Like, there's uh, one of the things that I um I feel like I'm I'm saying all the time is that like adults are bad at learning things because we're not used to like going through the process of being bad at something, right? Kids are good at learning because all they all they do every day is be bad at something. All yeah. they do is suck. They don't know how to walk. They don't know how to eat. They can't talk to you. They can't express themselves. Everything they do is awful. Yeah. So like you put a violin in the child's hand and they don't mind that they sound terrible for years and years and years. You put a violin uh, in an adult's hand and they will be furious um, <laughs> that they don't sound good even after playing for months. Yeah. Um, and I, I think the, the same thing is true where like in your 20s, you can have that little bit of like, I'm going, you know, I'm going all out. I'm going to like just try stuff. And like, I feel like you have more, I don't know, like room to fail or like uh, willingness to fail or I, I, I don't know what it is. Um, yeah, it's a certain fearlessness. I feel like I was when I when I moved to Portugal, I started looking into how to learn a, how to best learn a language. Yeah. And pretty much like. There was there was this one thing that I saw where this person they've learned like ten languages they're like a total polyglot and they were like literally the only thing you have to do is make as many mistakes as you can per day and the reason that exactly what you said the reason that adults aren't good at learning languages is because a kid is immersed by default right they don't mm-hmm. have their own language but also like every day they're better at you know like they have nothing to lose right yeah and like you have to have that attitude that you have nothing to lose even if you think you have things to lose like you really don't like you know like yeah you don't no yeah you can't look mm -hmm. good and get better at the same time 
Yeah, which isn't it? That's it's a nightmare. It is. A, <laughs> it is. A, it is a it's living a nightmare. nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. Because I want to look good so bad. <laughs> we all just want to look good. Well, but so you've been working as a programmer for a while, mm-hmm. um, and I'm wondering how like you're finding the transition from doing programming for apps or whatever into games. Like, is that an easy transition? Transition, or is there? a lot of like relearning or like teaching yourself totally so um that's a great question because i feel very happy about my answer to that so this past weekend like i finally quit all of my contracting jobs uh well congratulations yeah congratulations thank you thank you i'm just uh i'm finishing one last one but like this weekend i was just like you know, it was just Mark came over the my collaborator came over uh, in the morning we went for a walk talked about a game and then uh, I just sat down and programmed stuff on Unity, uh, which is the engine that we're using. Um, did that for pretty much all of Saturday and maybe half of Sunday. Uh, and we now have like a playable prototype. And also, like while I was doing it, so I don't know if any of this is going to make sense, but um, <laughs> try us. <laughs> there, I had a really good sensibility for which things, which parts of the language and of the environment to learn and which parts to ignore like if uh you know if we you have to cut corners all the time when you're programming and Mm -hmm. it's all about knowing which corners to cut and which which corners you cut will bite you in the future and so like for the most part i would just do the quickest thing i could do to get something to work but there was one thing in particular where there were two game objects that needed to know (coughs) sorry uh, it's like a rhythm game, pretty much. And so the score element needed to know that the uh, that like the the thing that the player is controlling had collided with a note, right? But, yeah, but the the logic for the collision is inside of the uh, script that is encapsulated in the the player, right? And I spent the majority of the development time, researching every possible way that I could communicate from an embedded game object to another game object somewhere else in the hierarchy. Because in every website, like I've done, uh, I've, there's many different frameworks for making websites and I've used like a ton of them. Uh, like Backbone, Angular, React, uh, my own custom thing, Rails, jQuery, like all of these different things. And in every single one of those, uh, that specific problem of how to communicate information between uh, two unrelated elements of, of a hierarchy, uh, that problem has always led to, doing it wrong has always led to a nightmare, and doing it right has, like, taking the time to do it right yeah. has always been, like, really satisfying uh, and, and led to, like, a well, scale, like, a scalable good system. And so I literally researched every possible way to do it. And more than researched, I like implemented within sort of like a sandboxed environment. I implemented every single one, figured out the trade-offs, actually benchmarked them to see which one would be, you know, like if any of them would have like performance implications. Like I just ran it like 10,000 times and was like, okay, C-sharp events are way faster than Unity events, for example. Um, And then, yeah, by the end of it, I was like, okay, we're using C-sharp events and that'll let us like do this wherever we need to do it. And uh like that kind of thing and also um sorry that yeah that's an example that might not have made any sense no no no. (laughs) i I think that's a great example and i I, I, even like a a sort of relatable one to just like 
anyone working with any systems at all, right? Where like you know you've got one set of rules and like another set of rules, and those rules are going to have to talk to each other at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and that uh, just having like the the foresight and you know the experience working with websites to uh, then also like put that into a game. I, I think it's a cool way to like frame what your experience is um, going into this. I want to hear more about uh, what this rhythm game is. Oh, sure. So, I understand you're still early days. <laughs> no, I'd be happy to talk about it. I mean, I do think we, you know, to get to your earlier question, like, we, I have a version of it running on my phone right now. You know, yeah. it's like after two days. Like, we're trying to, we're definitely trying to iterate quickly on it um, and get feedback from people and stuff. And uh, I do think it's, it's, it's a cool idea. So Mark and I, we did two sessions where each of us came to the table with 25 ideas and we it was great like we discovered that we have like a lot of idea chemistry like we were both yeah, really sure. excited about each other's ideas and like it was we kept like building on and combining stuff uh and after that after we after we did that we kind of <clears throat> took a step back and like we each picked five of our favorites and actually this one was my number one and it was his idea and he didn't even have it on his list cuz he was like I don't even think that we can do it and I was like oh we can definitely do it we should try so uh, it's a musical runner, so it takes. Do you know what a music staff looks like? Like written music. Yeah, you bet. So I, okay, cool. I, I was I was a music major in college. Oh, so, cool. Yeah. yeah. So we take a staff, and uh, we right now uh, we're using a sample track, which is like a Arctic Monkeys drum uh, drum track. Sure. So it's a single instrument from a song, and uh, a drum track is a great one to start with because you really only have three notes. You have like the hi-hat on top of the staff, uh, the snare in the middle, and the kick on the bottom. Yeah. And so we have like three little, right now they're just little squares that like run along the runner uh, or, or run along the staff. And then as the notes come up, you have to jump over the notes. So you have like a different controller. And it's very basic right now. It's pretty much, if you've ever played the Impossible Game or Mr. Jump. Yeah, sure. Uh, or Mario Run. Yeah, Mario Run. <laughs> Probably a much more relevant <laughs> to this show, yes. Yeah. I Sorry, I promise. So, I've played so much Mario Run. Yeah, no, so have I. I got all the black coins. That's like the final level, right? Or the purple coins. Yeah. I got all the coins. I, got I definitely all, got, I got all, the, all coin. the coins. I got all the coins too. Yeah. When they when they went back and like added more coins and more levels and challenges and stuff, I wasn't yeah. able to get all of those, but Ooh. I was also sort of burnt out on it by then. I was a little burnt out. I even did the competitive stuff for a while. Yeah, me too. Which Man. is super fun. I loved that game. I love that game too. <laughs> that game is really it's an excellent first foray into We can definitely bring this like more into Nintendo Town since no, because I, well, of the podcast, but it's it's whatever. Yeah. I, it's, yeah. I'm very interested in this conversation that, okay. that we're having. Cool. I'm, I'm I'm very happy to uh, 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 keep talking about your game and. But I mean, if if we want to, uh, like, I feel like this is a natural transition uh, point to talk about like how you think um, Nintendo games have like informed, uh, you know, what this is or what sort of like your gaming sensibilities are. Oh, I mean, they've defined them completely. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, like we. So <clears throat> another thing that I'm doing is I'm putting on uh, like a game night here in L.A., like a monthly thing to just have like kind of a, a community. I want to start like, you know, getting kind of a community thing together. Like yeah. I'm not really happy with any of the the like the meetups right now are great, but they're all kind of a little too like 
unorganized and small scale for like I want to meet every indie game developer in LA and yeah. I want to meet any enthusiast of games in LA like right after this I'm going to go to the Belmont for like this thing everyone's like playing Smash Brothers over there and a bunch of other games like that and so um this this uh with this this LA game night thing um it was related to what you just asked me. I asked you how Nintendo informs. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So with this thing, uh, my business partner was like, he's like, what rigs should we get? Like, what, what uh, you know, systems should we get? And the, the first, like, I was like, okay, let me, let me just think about, like, which, you know, like, which ones have the best stuff. And I literally listed every version. Like, I was like, well, okay, we have to have obviously like a Wii U for Smash Brothers Brawl and then Super Nintendo, clearly the best pound for pound system ever <laughs> created. That's right. Uh, and then, well, if we're going to have those two Mario Karts, we also are going to need like N64, N64 plus right? NES is like the iconic thing. And so by the time I was done listing stuff, I was like, okay, I just listed every system that Nintendo has ever made, including Game Boy, because I was like, people, like, if you put me in front of Pokemon Red or Blue right now, I would just play it until I, like, slept through an exam once because I was playing a ROM of Pokemon <laughs> Blue. Uh, like, it is, it's, re it's really defined my understanding of what gaming is. Like, it's, because it is fundamentally social, um, and they, they do design things, like, the experience that I have had in my life with gaming where it has like been a thing that I've connected with like friends and family mm -hmm. with and a thing that's like, you know, they're, they're, they're like Disney, right? Like they appeal to the child and everyone and they, uh, they're, it's, it's completely inclusive. You know, it's like not like if you walk around one of these, uh, like these gaming floors, you know, I was at PAX East uh, like a month ago, and I was just like, okay, the main floor, every AAA title is just like, it's like dark, like gritty, yeah, uh, shooters, like clearly appealing to like this kind of like sort of idealized masculinity kind of thing, and like it's like clearly some marketer being like, okay, eighteen to thirty six male, what do they like? You know, they want to shoot things, they want the action, they want perfect graphics, and it's like. Nintendo just has this uh like universal appeal and that's that's what I'm looking to do uh ultimately like currently my main goal is to make a Nintendo Switch game it is not easy it, you can't even get a dev kit unless you have a relationship right. or a successful game so like literally the mountain that I'm climbing right now <laughs> the whole reason that I'm doing this like my uh I'm going to butcher this raison d'être what yeah, I think that's yeah. mostly right. Yeah, that, That's how I would butcher it, too. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Great. Uh, like, my reason for existence right now is to make a Nintendo Switch title. Like, that is what is driving me uh, at all times. Uh, and so, yeah, I would say it's informed me a little bit. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, it sounds like informs you completely, almost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do have, you know, there's, like, the Halo, mm -hmm. Counter-Strike, Overwatch. Like, I do have, like... I, I love competitive games of of any kind, um, but yeah, Nintendo really, that's where, like, Nintendo's where my heart is. Yeah, well, and it's interesting that, like, in uh, listing those other games, I guess Counter-Strike isn't this, but um, both Halo and Overwatch have, like, some more of that, like, colorful, like, fun element to it. I know Halo also has, like, Halo, a little bit. Halo, yeah. yeah. But, like, it's brighter. Your main, your main I mean, character's I feel a dude like, in a green suit. I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Halo, when it started, 
had a little yeah. bit more sense of fun oh, about yeah. the world than like then it now. slowly. I haven't played like, the last thirty Halo games. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I pretty much dropped. So out I don't know. Also. But yeah, like those those kind of things. But you're right about Overwatch. The, yeah, the cartoonish uh, art style and the fact that. I mean, it's a really small thing that I think most people don't think about, but they're really great about representation in that game. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's not just a bunch of, like, white Brown-haired dudes. white guys. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I feel other. like the other thing about Overwatch versus other types of shooters, or really, like, other types of competitive games, is they have so many different characters that fit so many different play styles. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you don't have to be an ace first-person shooter player yeah. to uh, enjoy playing Overwatch and like finding a character that works for you. Totally. The arguably the best character at the meta level is you. You don't even aim, like Winston. You don't aim with Winston. It's just <laughs> yeah. like if anyone's on the screen and you're hitting the mouse button, you're hitting them. <laughs> Great. Uh, yeah, I I am also notoriously bad at. I don't know why I said notorious. Like anyone's <laughs> keeping track of like how I am at games. Everyone's just like Patrick. P- yeah, yeah, Patrick is bad at first-person shooters, um, but I've always considered myself bad at them. Um, but there are uh, a, a bunch of there's there's almost no way um, like if you're actually like putting time into Overwatch that you won't find some way to have fun and be successful and support with. your team. Yeah, and support your team. Exactly. It's very team-based. Yeah, I love it. Since you're working on a rhythm game. Um, like what other kinds of like rhythm games, uh, what, like what are your favorite types of rhythm games? Oh yeah. Well, I mean the first one that comes to mind, the first one that I really, really got into was Guitar Hero 2. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I played a lot of guitar, wait, or maybe it was Guitar Hero 1. I'm trying to remember now. Which one had, uh, Matthew Sweet's girlfriend? There was like an early level or also Cherry Pie. That might be the first Guitar Hero. It might have been the first Man, one. I don't know. Like, three was it when It had I... Mother. Or, or, sorry, Woman. Woman! Get <laughs> after Woman! These are, all, um, these are all, like, early early ones. It had Freebird. Yeah, yeah. Freebird. Were they doing... Were they the actual tracks? Were they covers at this point? Because uh, if it's covers, it's probably the first two. Because I think the third one was when they actually started... That's where they started pulling the out track. the stops and actually yeah. getting the... Oh, no, they were covers. They were covers okay. for sure. It was either one or two. Either way... Uh, that was great. The first, well, I, guess, I guess that makes sense. Like that's because that's still like college time. Um, uh, yeah. Well, it was. I think that was right. Yeah, that was literally right after college. I had just, I had just graduated, and uh, I was like living in a, uh, a bad apartment in Brooklyn that is now like one of the fanciest parts of Brooklyn. Um, <laughs> that's what happened to Brooklyn. That is what happened to Brooklyn. Uh, but yeah, that. So Guitar Hero Two comes to mind, or or one maybe comes to mind immediately. But also Parappa the Rapper. Yeah, Parappa I love the Parappa the Rapper. Yeah, I, I did. Um, I tried playing it when they uh, reissued it a, a yeah. couple, like a year ago now at this point. Yeah, I guess it was E three last year, right? Uh huh. Um, does it not? It doesn't hold up. Uh, like the songs are still great. Mm-hmm. The songs are still great. Mm-hmm. I still like will sing Kick Punch. It's all in the mind. Oh yeah. Like, I I love the music from Parappa, but like, there's just something so like limiting about. Uh, the the gameplay the actual it. yeah the inputs and stuff yeah, yeah especially with the the rhythm games now mm-hmm. um but yeah i think you know rhythm games they've been like they i wouldn't say that they're my like main favorite type of game like this isn't it's not like my mission is to make a rhythm game on nintendo i'm just looking at what we have right now as a team and it's like yeah. we have a music person and a programmer 
And if we can use the art from written music, which is like, I'm still like, I don't know how to draw that oval for a note head. Like, I'm like, t- I'm like, te- uh, you know, petrified, not petrified, terrified of the day when my task is going to be like, make the note heads more realistic. Like I literally don't understand how Bezier curves work. Um, but so like you can just go the the like hand drawn style and just right like, just a little like, I, slash. it would take me five years to draw one <laughs> oh the hand drawn i see what you're saying yeah 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 oh i could do that that's a good idea um but yeah so this is kind of like looking at well one i think we could have a lot of fun with a runner that's inside of a music staff like right now we're just using a basic staff and you're just like scrolling along it but i think if the gameplay is fun enough then we can really start to go like a little crazy and you know it's a game like so uh you can be living inside the world of music like we can do all kinds of cool stuff with like taking the challenges of learning because at the end of the day it will be educational like whether you know it or not you're learning about drumming by playing yeah. this game for sure um and so we can make that a lot more fun i'm like very interested in uh, like the intersection of like education and games, especially for stuff that's not explicitly educational, because mm-hmm. I do think that the only reason that I'm a programmer, which I really lucked out with career choice, it was not much of a choice. Uh, it was kind of an accident. But the only reason that I am that way is because a lot of early Nintendo games are essentially debugging uh, someone else's code, like Mega Man bosses. That's just a loop that someone else wrote, and you have to understand the loop in order to beat it. Right, in and order to exploit it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And so that mode of thinking uh, taught me the fundamentals of computer programming before I ever, it was like 15 years before I ever took a class in that. So the educational side of it is interesting to me. Um, and I, I think that's really, uh, especially like in, in terms like where drumming is concerned, um, well, you know, back to like Guitar Hero or a rock band, um, that the drumming in those games is always like an impossible hurdle to o- overcome. Like you have to understand how to move your hands, simu- you know, like separately and like then you've got a foot in there as well. <laughs> totally. Um, that like there are all these steps that like that skips. You still have to like have those skills. Um, but there's really no like educational component to that. Um, right. It just like throws you in and is like, now do this. Um, and I feel like the same way with uh, on a much smaller scale, but something like Taiko Drum Master or mm-hmm. Donkey Konga, um, mm-hmm. where it's just like, now do the thing without like teaching you how to do it. So it's it's cool that like this seems a little bit more like a uh like step by you know sh- showing you how it's done yeah we're definitely thinking a lot about how to get someone into it like maybe starting with a snare like we're actually thinking of it starting of it with starting it with like a skin of a platformer so you think you're just jumping from like yeah you're just in a runner right and there's no music and you're just jumping along the the rhythm of the thing and then have that sort of like fade out into the staff uh and then you're like oh i'm like in the music that's right, pretty and then cool you're hearing the drum roll <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah exactly uh yeah i think that that would be sweet and then the other thing about rhythm games is i was just in japan uh, at the end of the year last year and we should definitely talk about my pilgrimage to nintendo the nintendo oh, corporate office yeah. <laughs> uh we should definitely talk about that but when i was in japan one of the things i was struck by is they have these arcades uh, that are like a, a huge part of the the culture there, and it's like a ton of pachinko machines in yeah. the basement. And then there's like a few fighters, like Tekken Seven is really big there right now, and I played some of that. But um, for the like the 
the overwhelming number of machines are rhythm games. Like rhythm games are huge in hmm. Japan, massive. Like they're like the biggest arcade like industry. And so I'm like, okay, I want to understand more about this genre. It has never been my primary one. Also, our team, our team makeup, it's perfect for that. And it's an, like an original concept using uh, mm -hmm. like an existing kind of uh, like existing IP that is open, but that everyone already understands right off the bat. And it would look different than other stuff. Like, yeah. Well, it's, you it's have cool to think about that. To yeah. like tap into a visual vocabulary that already exists that people, you know, whether they have studied music or not, like are sort of innately familiar with, even if they can't tell you what note is what they know that that's music. Exactly. Like, there's an emoji that represents our game. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, and that's, I mean, what better? <laughs> if there's an emoji for your game, you've yeah. already won. Yeah, we already, we don't need to do any marketing. Anytime anyone uses that emoji, it's pretty uh, much free advertising. Um, tell me yeah. about uh, going to Nintendo in Japan. Okay, yeah. Uh, I'm so happy to, because I was in Japan for an entire month, um, I just went by myself. It was like the first time I've ever gone on a an agendaless vacation uh, by myself, and it was like the it was one of the best experiences of my life. It's really hard to uh, condense it in the story into like you know one cohesive narrative because I was staying three days at a time in each place. So like it was just a different. It was like it was like you know eight different yeah vacations all in one. And so usually when I tell people about it, I'll tell them about Naoshima, which is the art island, or I'll tell them about Kyoto and how like breathtaking everything is, uh, or like Tokyo and how crazy and like fast paced, Osaka, the food, like all, you know, Hiroshima, like moving, like peace, uh, yeah. like it was incredibly moving. Um, but when I, th when I really think back on it internally to like what I keep coming back to, uh, like the, honestly, like the moment um for me being in japan was i had climbed do you know the orange gate place it's like a inari fushimi nah. tari something i should really know what it's called but there's an emoji for that too there's an there's an orange gate emoji well then we're halfway there check it yeah <laughs> i've probably um, accidentally used that emoji at <laughs> yeah some point. probably uh it's like this mountain um well not a mountain uh it's like a temple of some kind they have hundreds of these tori gates uh you might have seen some of your friends might have Instagram profile photos with like a bunch of orange gates behind them. If you ever see them, they're great. It's a great place mm -hmm. to go to. It's in Kyoto. And uh, I was like, when you, when you get to the top of it, you can see all of, all of Kyoto uh, and, or a lot of it. And uh, you can also see like down below, almost directly in front of you, you can see the two uh, Nintendo corporate offices. And I should back up. Before I, <laughs> before I went, before I did that, that hike, like right before, uh, I had rented a bike and I had like woken up that day with the express purpose of going to the Nintendo corporate offices, which was actually what drew me to Japan in the first place. Sure. Uh, when I was leaving Portugal after my business failed, I was like, well, I have nothing to do. Uh, what should I do? I have no idea. And I was like, huh, I just made this game. It was inspired by Nintendo. I wonder what the Nintendo headquarters look like. And I Googled it and everyone was like, don't go. You will be disappointed. It's just an office building. They will turn you like right around and be right. like, you don't work here. It's not a magic it's, chocolate it's factory. It's not. Yeah. It's not right. Disneyland. It's far from it. Like, don't go. 
And something about that, I was just like, I need to go. Yeah, like, don't tell I, me what to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, this is, you know, it's like, I, there's something about it that, like, the fact that they won't give me a dev kit and that they have these, like, giant fences around this thing that I love. Right. It like, only makes you want it more. I want it so badly. <laughs> <laughs> I want it so badly. Uh, and so, yeah, so th this was, like, literally the reason for this month-long trip. And so I woke up. Uh, I biked over to get there, like right around the time that people would be getting there, like eight thirty in the morning. Uh, and I literally, I have like a whole roll of not that there's rolls of film anymore, but I have like a large Whatever. section <laughs> of my camera roll is just like creep shots from various, like it's like <laughs> 20, 20 feet away from the <laughs> fence. Like all of the, it looked like I was scouting the thing for a robbery. Right. Like it really did. Uh, and I was just, you know, I was getting it from Got all the pitch for a movie, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh it's you know i i went um like all these different angles i kind of like posted up across the street on a bench and just watched people who were like walking into the like it is not tourism if i had been with anyone else on this trip i would not have been allowed to do this they would have been like are you freaking serious like uh you know like this is what like you're in, you know it was an insane thing to do but it was seriously moving because when so I was like trying to follow my Google Maps and I was like biking and in a new city and I like, couldn't really figure it out. And I thought I was really far away. And at one point I like turned a corner and like in the distance, I could see a giant Nintendo logo on a building. <laughs> and yeah, no, I audibly gasped. Like I made a sound. I was by myself. I just like made a sound mm -hmm. and like stopped in my tracks and immediately flashed back to like seeing that logo in red on like the cartridge cover yeah, of like yeah. the first you know the first games I was playing and I was like you had that ratatouille moment <laughs> yes totally yeah absolutely I had the ratatouille moment yeah I didn't even connect that until just now thank you um so when uh what when you're like sitting outside Nintendo HQ mm -hmm. and you're just taking like little creeper shots like mm -hmm. do you know is it are you having fun or like what 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 is the emotion of like just being in its presence? Fun is one way to describe it, certainly. Like I was laughing at myself, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Like the adult in me was like, this is hilarious. Like it was like, <laughs> I'll allow it, but you know this is ridiculous. <laughs> uh the the kid in me was just like, oh, like I wanna be in like I I had a lot of time to sort of meditate on the meaning of Nintendo in my life and also like this new view of it which is like it's a business it's like a corporation you know like I you don't think of it as a corporation because they make delightful art and yeah. stuff uh, but it's like it is a corporation and I have a very tenuous relationship with corporations <laughs> I've worked at like exclusively startups and then as soon as they become successful and become corporations and I could actually make money off of them I leave <laughs> <laughs> because something about corporate life really bothers me but this was the first time you know it was kind of like what happened in college where I was like oh people get together and stick it out working at a corporation because they believe in the, ultimately the big thing that they're creating together yeah like I was like I would work at this corporation like I would be proud to wear a, a one of those stupid badges on like the like yeah you know, if it's got a little red nintendo logo yeah if it, it has a nintendo logo <laughs> on it, it like i would i would do that in a heartbeat oh and my god do you think their badges have like a, a the gold nintendo seal of approval on it oh my god well that'd be great <laughs> that'd be so I, good <laughs> i did not get close enough to any person any one person well to let's go back you were not there with your like back. telephoto lens <laughs> <laughs> like 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was sort of a, um, so when I was, when I was, you know, outside of the, uh, outside of the corporate offices, it was definitely, it was like those things, you know, like sort of, uh, it was very, it was more kind of mental and repositioning like what Nintendo is and what it's meant to me and all that kind of stuff. And, and also just kind of worrying about someone being like, what are you doing here? Like, <laughs> please, you know, please leave. When I was on top of the mountain and I could see it from a distance and I just like hiked up this beautiful like Japanese um, temple, uh, you know, I was in a very like holy mode or whatever because I had just, you know, I'd been in this kind of like temple space uh, and uh, and I saw the, the buildings in the distance and I like unironically did like the deepest bow I have ever done <laughs> in my life. Uh, and started crying a bit, and I was like, "Thank you for my childhood." <laughs> yeah, and I think I think that's legit, right? And like tying it all, uh, having that experience in what is both like sort of a, a, a religious site and something that's just tied to like what ends up being the collective culture uh, of our childhoods, right? Like I. I haven't met you before uh, this this evening, and we didn't grow up together. But like, we have a shared set of memories and a shared set of values because we played these games together. Um, it's like, oh, you, what? Uh, you're Jewish. I'm Jewish. You know, like it's it, there's a, a culture that we share. Totally. Um, which uh, is I don't know. It seems so uniquely Nintendo. Um, and I'm just jealous of this moving experience that you had. <laughs> Um, and it, it just sounds, sounds awesome. Yeah, it was, we should go. Okay. Mark, let's take a, the show on the road. We should go. <laughs> if you guys ever want to go, I will go back at any time. <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah, that was, that was really the moment. I mean, I had already known that I like wanted to make games, but I kept forgetting and I'd like lost the plot again mm -hmm. after coming back from Portugal. I was like living in New York with my ex and like, uh, like whatever, working on contracting stuff. And then, yeah, being out there, doing that bow, like, thanking, thanking these unknown, like, this, this faceless gray box yeah. out in the middle of Japan for, like, this, this shared culture that we all have now and this identity, uh, like, that was when I was just like, okay, I know what I need to do. I need to, I've been given a gift. I need to give that gift to another generation. Awesome. Yeah, I think that's really cool. Uh, Neil, do you have anything that you would like to plug at this time? Uh, yes. Obviously, this game coming out tomorrow? Or <laughs> <laughs> uh, if anyone finds me on the street, you can play the game that's in my phone. <laughs> There's, I have 24 open test flight seats. If anyone <laughs> wants Very to good. play the game on test flight, I will send it to you. Uh, it is fully playable at this point. You can get through the entire Arctic Monkeys One for the Road song, <laughs> uh, and it counts how many mistakes you made, and Mark has only 70 mistakes, which is pretty unbeatable as far as I can tell. So uh, that is not a real thing that I'm plugging. <laughs> but there is a real thing that I'm plugging. Yeah. Um, if people are in LA, which is the game night that I mentioned, uh, it's lagamenight.com. Uh, if you just go there, there's an email sign up, and we're doing it once a month. The first one is the Monday of Memorial Day weekend. Oh, great. Uh, which is coming up fairly soon, about four weeks. And, or should I not say... What no, no it's coming out Thursday. Uh, yeah, so yeah like, great. Yeah, we uh, come out, we come out pretty quick. Oh, perfect. Okay, um, where where are you doing this? Uh, so the, the first one is at uh, a bar in Hollywood called Scum and Villainy. 
Uh, it's a Star Wars themed mm-hmm. cantina uh, bar, and we'll have about um, we'll have like ten uh, ten rigs set up, and we will also. So, if anyone listening to this is an indie developer of any kind, uh, if you do sound, art, anything like that, um, we will we'll have a lot of gameplay stuff happening, but we will also be showcasing anyone from the local scene. Uh, well, not anyone but uh, <laughs> someone uh, maybe though yeah no definitely some people um and so if you have if you're an indie developer uh of any you know um of any what's the word i'm looking for uh size like art or no, it's size oh, is, size is size. explicitly you not be, the word you be tall yeah if you're uh, if any you've, discipline if people have told yes discipline <laughs> If people have told you you're too tall for games, come to Scum and Villainy. Uh, yeah, and no. then just duck. Yeah, just get down a little bit. Uh, yeah, any any discipline. Um, we would love to showcase any uh, local local developers. We really want to make it a community where uh, <clears throat> a community where indie developers are meeting the the enthusiasts. You know, because I think there's a real yeah. kind of divide between that. Uh, and also just have fun and play games. And this is the first monthly one. And if we don't get enough people, we'll probably get kicked out. So please come. <laughs> LAGameNight.com. LAGameNight.com. All right. Awesome. Neil, thanks so much yeah, for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This was great. Thank you. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, if you liked this episode, if you enjoyed us talking to Neil, please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we're just a couple of reviews away from getting to that 50, which means maybe we end up going to E3 this year. Who knows? I don't know. I can't read the future. Um, if you would like to share our episode either on Facebook or Twitter, we're on Facebook. The page is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Um, our Twitter handles, I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at M. K.E. Mitchell. The show is at Nin Cart Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Ape at Betty. You can check out more of his music by going to apeatbetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying thanks for listening. Campfire.